0: To become a master at any skill, it takes the total effort of your heart, mind, and soul working together in tandem. These are the words of Maurice Young. This is episode 15 with special guest Yemi Osunkoya Kosiba. Hi friends, welcome to my podcast, Let's Talk About It. My name is Akashi Akin party planner, event designer, business coach, author, and founder of Cash Events, and I am your host. Each week, I'm going to bring you conversations about life, business, events, lifestyle, weddings, and everything in between. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Let's dive in. Before I dive into the interview, I would like to share a little bit about Yemi. Um, Even as a small child, Yemi had an exceptional eye for detail. After attending weddings with his parents in his homeland of Nigeria, he would start sketching the elaborate designs he had seen on the bridal party, recreating everything from the bridesmaid's dresses to the flower girl's hemlines with the help of only pen and paper. Years later, he turned that talent talent into a flourishing career in couture. Yemi draws inspiration from his international travels, as well as many other art forms, including ballet and contemporary painting. Actresses, dignitaries, and even royalty have turned to Yemi to make the most memorable days of their lives even more magnificent, including Lady Janet, Sheila Ferguson, Alicia Dixon, Kelly Rowland, and so much more. His gowns have been worn by, to royal balls, state dinners, and other occasions. His work is celebrated by many wedding publications, and he's also been named International Designer of the Year by City People Magazine and received many awards in, from the fashion industry. Yemi has been featured in a variety of publications from Bride Magazine to TW Magazine, New York Bride, Munaluchi Bride, and more. I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. I had an amazing time and I learned so much from my chat with Yemi, so let's dive right in.
1: Hi, Yemi. Hello, Kashi. How are you? I am very well, very excited uh, to be part of your podcast. Um, I've listened to the other people you've had on, so it's quite a, a privilege to be, to be part of that gang now. Oh my goodness, no, thank you. I've been so excited to chit-chat
0: with you, um, get to know you even more. I know we met, like, what, in person, what, two years ago?
1: I think so, yes.
0: About that in New York, and we sat for dinner, and I was telling my I'm like, he's really cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have a mutual friend, Jide Alakija to thank.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a lovely dinner in New York with Jide, and um, it was so nice. And just so every time I see you, you always have this sense of calm and it makes me want to calm down <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's just the way you're carrying yourself and you're very zen and very stylish and you know got a lot of swag so I was thank like you. I like
2: him yeah oh, so it's been very much.
0: lovely just getting seeing you more getting to know you and now like interviewing you officially um on the podcast and just sharing your story because I I used to wonder, I'm like, I wonder like I want to hear his story so badly. Like it's been so long and I was reading your bio and I saw 27 years. I was doing the age and I'm like, the math. I'm like, mm. <laughs> how, old <was> I? <laughs> how old was I? But uh we're gonna get into it. So thank you yes. so much for taking the my time pleasure. busy season and I'm sure you're busy today to hop on a podcast and just chat with us and share your story with our mic with me and our, our viewers and listeners. Um, all right, so I'm gonna get started. I have a lot of questions for you, so bear with me. Okay. All right. Um, okay, so I wanted to share a little bit, first of all, like your background. I know when we met for dinner, you shared that you lived in the UK.
2: Yes.
0: Um, and you're in New York.
1: And yes.
0: um, you're Nigerian, I'm Nigerian. So I wanna kinda tie everything together.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So um, yes I did, I I was brought up in Nigeria, Um, I did my primary school, secondary school and university in Nigeria and then I went to England in 1988 and I studied fashion there and I lived there and I ran my business there until 2016 when I moved um, to New York. I mean there's more, there are more details within that timeline but that's it in a nutshell. I, I grew up in Nigeria and I did my primary school, secondary school and university in Nigeria. And then I went to England and I studied fashion there. And I also started my business in England. And then I came to New York in 2016. So I've been here for four years. Oh, yeah. Now I think I had my grounding in Nigeria and also it exposed me to um, women of different sizes. like so mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm un- I'm unconsciously comfortable with different body sizes because I think a lot of designers are used to working with very slim
2: mm-hmm.
1: prototypes, you know.
2: Size. But because
1: yes, but I, I was used to like fuller figured women and Um, it just became part of my aesthetic so I I say that Nigeria helped to ground me in being comfortable in celebrating the, the female form amazing now moving to England what that did apart from the fact that that's where I studied fashion and that's where I built my business it helped me to be more of an international designer coming from a Nigerian perspective. It also helped me to um, polish my, my 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 sort of aesthetic and how I dealt with myself. And then moving to the US, I realized that, for example, in the UK, there's a lot of modesty in sort of promoting yourself. You're not you're not really meant to be pushy. Mm -hmm. But moving to the U.S., I realized that sometimes you you have to promote yourself in a different way. Mm. And it helped me to go out of my comfort zone and explore more opportunities that I probably wouldn't have done if I was still in the U.K. But I still appreciate all the things I learned when I was in the U.K.
0: Interesting. So uh, the U.K. was more conservative and then we're more... The US is more out there or more that's, bolder. That's interesting because
1: I've always thought the opposite. No. Interesting. <laughs> from, my, from, from my personal experience, that, mm-hmm. that's how, because I've thought about it. And, yeah. Um, but you see, each one, served, each one served a really important part of my journey, of my mm-hmm. story. And, and I'm yeah. grateful for each opportunity. And, and I think it happened at the right time and for the right length. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: that's so interesting. This morning, I was listening to a podcast or something. Um, I try to listen to something every morning. And Mel Robbins said, our life is con- as, uh, consists of chapters, right? Yes. And we have to live a chapter, but we don't move on to the next chapter to so we learn our lessons in that chapter.
1: That's correct. I thought that
0: was so interesting. It's so funny you just said that, like in the same content. So that's amazing. Wow. Okay, how do you like New York?
1: I absolutely love New York. I mean, before I moved here, I've been coming here. I've been coming quite a lot. And and it used to be something like a fantasy. Wouldn't it be wonderful to, to live in New York? Yeah. And when the opportunity came, that's why I I jumped at it with both hands. So, yeah, I absolutely oh. love it. It's got uh, really great energy. Mm. And from a fashion point of view, it's fantastic. Everything I need as a designer in New York at the moment is within a very small Absolutely. you know between 6th avenue and 8th avenue 36th mm-hmm. street and 40th you can get anything you need Amazing. whereas in England it's all scattered around mm-hmm. um so I hope that I know I know there are lots of changes happening to the government district it's been sort of moved some parts have been moved to the Brooklyn um but at mm-hmm. the moment it's just fantastic so yeah i, absolutely I mean love
0: yeah i get jealous of like especially like in the creative space you guys literally have everything and mm-hmm. um i wish i mean we have this battle with chicago and new york by the way like new Yorkers don't want to live in chicago Chicagoans don't live in new york uh, which has some sort of similarity right with outside of all the th- stuff you guys have access to like fashion yeah. fabric, yeah. and accessories i would go nuts if i lived in new york um it, exactly. work-wise you know but that's amazing so did you um was there ever a point where you were like oh, what am i crazy to just leave uk and move my just move to new york
1: no it was more it was more um purposeful than that what happened was my my uh, my partner had uh an opportunity to move to new york and because i run my business i was in a position to to move if I wanted to uh-huh. so I thought well it's the best of both worlds I've built a business in the UK for at that time 24-25 um, years
2: mm-hmm. and
1: this is an opportunity to, to expand that business because I still have an atelier in London mm-hmm. I go back to every four every eight weeks eight to ten oh, weeks
2: wow. Wow, okay. and I yeah
1: so I have clients there I do client consultations I do fittings and you know I also deliver the dresses. But this was an opportunity to expand my brand to New York and be New York based. So um, during the transition period where it wasn't 100% was going to be a permanent move, I was was going back and forth about every four weeks, every four to six weeks. I'd come to New York and I'd stay for about 10 days. And I was laying down some foundation. So I made sure I made connections with wedding planners, bridal stylists, photographers, and also, um, you know, magazines like Monalucci, World Bride mm-hmm. Magazines. I got to know the people behind those magazines who mm-hmm. cater for, you know, um, women of color. Although I'm, you know, I deal with all sorts of
2: mm-hmm. clients
1: and my, my clients are, as long as they can afford my dresses, anybody's my client. But, right. you know, you have to know your your supporters mm-hmm. and try uh, and develop and, um, uh, you know, develop those connections. So by the time the move was permanent, I think I had developed enough contacts to make the move seamless. However, okay. I realized that like most things, you have to be in the location where you are to begin that process of building trust.
2: hmm
1: all, this, all the all the connections that made prior to that, they they were it wasn't useless, but I realized that it the clock started, you know, ticking when I moved permanently. Right. Uh, but I guess being that's one of the advantages of having experience. I I managed my expectations. Mm-hmm. If I was very young, I might have thought, Oh my God, what's happening? You know. But I knew it's going to take time. You have to build trust, which is why I didn't leave my UK. I didn't close that business down. Mm -hmm. So that was a bit of a transition. And it happened both ways. Some of my UK brides were like, oh, how is this going to work? Is he, has he left? You know, what's going to happen? But because I see people by appointment, it really made no difference. Because I had scheduled my appointment to the time I'm going to be there. And once people knew that, yes, he does come back quite often, they were reassured. And when people realized I was now in New York, then it's easier for them to deal with me. They were more open to start right. dealing with me here in, in the United States. So that's well, I,
0: that. I mean two things I just got from that was you made a plan. You didn't just like open yes. and two, you managed expectations so you avoided panic with your clients in in the UK already. Yeah. Because yes. that would be my fear if I moved, you know, but it makes total sense, <laughs> sense to do that. And that way your clients are like, oh, okay, now you're not leaving yes. me. Yes. You're just going to be shuffling back and forth between the UK and uh, the U.S. So smart. And the way, the
1: way I was able to portray that was through my use of social media. Mm. Now, I, I mean, we'll probably talk about that later in terms of how things used to be and how things are now.
2: Oh, boy. Now with yeah.
1: social media, especially <laughs> Instagram, Pinterest, it's it's amazing you're able to control your story mm. you're able to talk directly to your um, clients your clients are able to see
2: mm-hmm.
1: how you know what you're doing I mean it's quite personal without you know like a delicate balance you're not showing everything but you're able to build trust when your clients can see who you are and know what you're doing in terms of you know are you doing a fashion show somewhere are you what mm-hmm. what, what city are you in at whatever time so I just used to you know put it out there also, I'm going to be in London between you know this date and that date and I'm taking um, consultation so by the time I got to London I actually had my appointment scheduled like a military Amazing. operation and I'd see the clients and I time it so it was brilliant but it really helped for people to see consistently these guys in London at this particular time yeah and also he's in New York so it just it just reassured people what was happening.
0: for sure and i i I can imagine too just saying they feel like they're still connected with you so they can see you and regardless of where you are and still engage um versus like so i i came into this business in the age of social media thank god you're so lucky (laughs) but i can't even imagine i was just gonna ask my next question was like 27 years like do Mm -hmm. you like sit back and like pinch yourself like how in the world like 27 years is a long time in a competitive industry, multiple, like different countries, right? Yeah. So like, how does that even make you feel?
1: Okay. I've thought about this. Um, first of all, you have to keep, you have to keep re, it's almost like a constant rebirth. Mm. You have to keep up to the, con- the, the current standards. Mm. You have to know what's, what's happening. Um, you cannot rest on your laurels. Um, you know for example when uh, social media all these different platforms came up initially I didn't I didn't have a clue Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what it was about but I knew this is something I have to join and I joined but also I will try and find somebody that is an expert in that field and learn the etiquette really quickly The Mm -hmm. Facebook I did it with Twitter I did it with Instagram because sometimes the way you use them are slightly different. At the moment, I've joined TikTok. I haven't got a clue what I'm doing on TikTok, Same but <laughs> I am on TikTok.
2: <laughs>
0: and I'm, on TikTok. I'm like, hey, TikTok is where it's at, so I'm going to get an account. So I, I literally just did it, so I
1: have my it's name. The, feature, the, the, uh, the future, you know, the Z, you know, so that's what I do. I'm, and I use, um, I use Kodak as an example. Okay. Kodak had a fantastic product.
2: Mm.
1: Everybody used the, you know, the things you put into the camera, Mm -hmm. but for some reason, they didn't grasp the move to, um, you know, like smartphones and digital, yeah, the digital thing. They they sort of missed that. So they didn't do anything wrong apart from not moving on. And and now Kodak does not exist. And I'm like, oh no, that cannot happen to me. So I'm constantly just re Renewing what I'm doing and and keeping up with technology yeah. um, I, there sometimes I do some shows or attend some events, and people are, will think, "Why is he here? Well, I'm here because I still have a business to run exactly. and I'm not going to rest on past glory because I think that's a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. I'm still hungry and st- you know I still have a zest, I still have a love for what I do. And I mm-hmm. think that's what keeps me constantly going. And I realize there are lots of young, you know, young generations of designers coming up and I embrace them, that they yeah. not business to go around. Um, and we're, we're com- you know, we're all not exactly competitors, we're, we're collaborators, I think,
2: right. mm-hmm. um, just
1: offering different services. So yeah. that's, I think that's what keeps me still here. But most importantly, I love what I do. Yeah,
0: first, yeah. I mean, obviously, it and it shows in your work, the way you engage with people. I see you share just like, you're actually very, and I've watched you do this in weddings that we've worked on, and mm-hmm. you're very hands-on with the client. You're there early. Yes. You're there days before. <laughs> you know, you're not just showing up, the, you know, an hour before the bride has to go in her dress. You really, yeah. like, want to get all the details. And so I've watched you do this. And you come with all your, I'm like, did you bring all of this from New York? And you <laughs> literally come prepared because you care about, yeah, not what you do, you're not just giving them dresses and sending them off, like you go all the way sometimes to Nigeria
2: um,
1: I do, you know, you know why I do that because I have worked most times between six to nine months, very labor intensive, mm-hmm. lots of, you know, blood sweat and love going into creating this gown for this person and I want, I want to see the end product in the environment it was designed for when the mm-hmm. client comes to me for the final mm-hmm. fitting, the dress is complete, but she hasn't had her hair done. She's yeah. not wearing the jewelry she's going to wear. She, her, her makeup is not done. In fact, when you come for the final fitting, you're instructed not to wear any makeup whatsoever because you can't have anything staining right, the dress. Okay, so right. I don't get the, the, the way I've envisaged this dress. I want to see it in the, in the right setting. And that's why oftentimes I go to dress my brides and I come with a steamer. I come with a little bag that has got, you know, um, needle and thread. And yeah. oftentimes I don't have to use that, but I bring it anyway, just in case, yeah. you know, and there are lots of things happening within the dress that creates that, um, our, you know, the classical, uh, hourglass silhouette I create in my dresses. Mm-hmm. It's, it's achieved with lots of fixings. I call them inside the dress. Sometimes it's maybe something has to be laced up or something has to be hooked. And, um, I prefer to do it myself. I know can other people can do it, but right. it just gives me satisfaction that look. I want it done properly, and and then I, it makes my brides feel very relaxed and yeah. reassured that the person that made the dress is there, yeah. and also at the wedding, I'm seeing my dress in it's right setting. People mm. are complimenting the dress, and I'm like, yeah, I do that you know and you're able to
0: get actual live footage of the finished product you know of like the bride and interaction like I see you do that so well even on social media yeah um, of the experience and I'm sure that's such a a warm feeling and to do that 27 years later
2: yeah
0: yeah and that's a huge lesson for all of us as creators is to you know be present throughout all the way and sit through to the very end if you can't, if you can control it, that,
1: that, yeah. I mean, the, the honest truth is that one cannot do it for every client, but mm-hmm. I try as much as possible when I can.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So one of the questions I have for you is, and I'm curious to yes. you know when you
1: knew you were interested in fashion. Okay. Now, from the age of about six, seven, as I recall, six, seven, I used to go to lots of, weddings with my parents. Now my dad was a professor in University of Ibadan. My mom was a nurse. We didn't have a sewing machine in our house or, you know, anything like that. But my parents were very social. I'd go to weddings with them. And when I came back, I'd draw what I'd seen, you know, in a sort of profile form. So I draw the bride, I would draw the um, chief bridesmaid, the oh, flower yeah. girls. And in Nigeria at that time, a lot of people were obliged to put their, relative, their female relatives in their wedding party. So they just formed all sorts of names. There were like balloon girls, mm-hmm. there were like basket girls, and they all had all these different dresses. And I, probably, and I was really fascinated. And <laughs> I, have, I have to tell you that um, way back then, a lot of people used to save money to buy comics like Bino and um, Dandy. Mm-hmm. I used to save my money to buy Modern Bride. When oh, I think back now, I'm, tell- I'm telling you, I'm like, I was just fascinated with, you know, the dresses and everything. I didn't have a concept of design. I it just something that I was fascinated by, but I was really, extremely fortunate with the parents that God blessed me with mm. because my mom would take my drawings to work and she'd show it to her colleagues. This is wow. what Yemi is doing. I was encouraged. And also my art teachers in school, they, they saw this, this young boy is very talented and we're going to take him under our wing now i was quite specific i used to draw human figures you know i I never found myself drawing trees or painting landscapes it was specifically human figures and mostly female figures i drew yeah and then i was drawing what i saw but as i grew older i started adding my own ideas i wasn't just copying what i saw Mm -hmm. i had these ideas. where they came from i don't know and I'd draw them, and again, my mom would, you know, um, take them to show her, 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 her colleagues. And anytime she wanted something made from a tailor, she'd be like, okay, let me design something for me.
2: My goodness. So
1: and Now, when I got to the age of 15, um, it was back in the day where we had something called O-Levels and A-Levels, I think it's changed now. And you had to make a decision. You either go the science route or you go mm-hmm. the art route. Now even though I was doing all this drawing and my parents were very supportive, I wasn't, I wasn't sure they would um, allow me to be a designer because then most parents from the background I came from
2: mm-hmm. you'll
1: yeah. be, Gently encouraged to be a doctor or lawyer or engineer. Oh yeah,
0: you know Nigerian parents. If you're not a doctor or a lawyer, was okay, but like that was it.
1: (laughs) An engineer, like fashion. What are you talking about? Absolutely, absolutely. But um, I did enough at. I mean, I did enough art subjects that I had some of them. Like I would say, in the bank, I thought I wanted to be a uh, an architect. But I failed all my science subjects like math,
2: yeah. chemistry,
1: physics, and I told my dad I said if I were to repeat, I'd fail them again. So it's like, what do you want to do? And I got an A in art, I got an A in literature, and um, uh, I think technical drawing, which was was sort of straddle art and science. So I said I'd like to be a designer. And he said, Yeah, that's, I'd like to be a designer. And he said and where is the best place to do um fashion design uh i said paris because in nigeria there wasn't uh a university that did fashion but Mm -hmm. the compromise was i had to go to university that was not it was not up for discussion i had to go if there was a a university doing fashion i would have gone now having said that there was one (laughs) In, in the North Amadoubele in Zaria, but I wasn't going, I wasn't going to Zaria. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I sort of glossed over that. Um, so what, I decide, what we decided as a family was, I'd go to university and I'd study fine art, and I specialized in textile design because there's a relationship between fashion and textile. Mm. And my dad had asked me, where's the best place to study fashion? Because whatever you want to do, just make sure you do it to the best of your ability. So I said Paris, so he said, okay, what will happen is you go to university, you do your national service, you know, the youth, mm-hmm. youth call mm-hmm. a year, and then you go to Paris. Unfortunately, um, the first semester, the second semester of my second year in university, so that was after the Christmas holidays of my mm-hmm. second year in university, out of four years, my dad died of a heart attack very suddenly, mm-hmm. unexpected. Oh, um, so his brother who had, his children were um, in school in you know um, public school. Were well, young children in public school in England. Told my mother the promise my brother made. I will I will take it up.
2: Wow.
1: With regards to Yemi, but I don't know anything about Paris. If Yemi can get uh, a school in in England, um, I will happily pay for his fees. So wow. right from my second year, I knew. That okay, my studying fashion was still on track, but not in Paris, it was going to be in England, which was sort of good, which meant I didn't have to learn French. But I thought I'd have to finish university before I did anything in fashion, even though I was drawing. But um, in, in my university, there used to be the student groups that did entertainment. And there's this Nigerian designer called Ito Embassy, and she did uh, a fashion show. And I was like, oh my goodness. I don't have to. She was studying English, and wow. she did she did a fashion show. But she could sew, so she made all the clothes yeah. that she sewed. But I thought to myself, I don't have to wait. I can actually start, pro- you know, producing um, yeah. dresses. So I had a, a, one of my senior. Um, I was in, I think that was in my first year or second year. I can't remember. But she was a few years ahead. She liked me. She took me under her wing, and I uh-huh. said, "This is what I want to do. I want to do a fashion show in the next." Um, uh, club entertainment show and she managed to get me, i remember never forget 500 naira which at that time was, the exchange rate was I think 2 naira to 1 pound.
0: You're kidding.
1: So you can, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm very old. So back <laughs> then no, it, was two, it was like 2, two naira to a, to a pound. So 500 Not naira a was dollar. a lot, it was a lot of money at that time. No. So I, was, I did a, a collection of Five, dress, five garments, some men's wear, some women's wear, and the thing was black, red, and white. And I did a fashion show, and I'll, I'll wind that. Now, the name Casida, I actually got when I had to do a fashion show in 1983. But that was like a one-off, and it was part of um, uh, a federal government uh, event. So the, the, the Minister of Youth arts and culture was there and I had to come up with a name for my for my brand Mm -hmm. and I thought because my parents were really supportive and back then I was 16 I knew that as a designer I didn't want to use my name I wanted a brand that had an African sounding name but could also cross over
2: Mm. so
1: I chose my mother's name now my mother is originally from a place called Republic of Benin
2: mm. and
1: there a girl, a child is given a day name. So depending on what day you're born, you're given a name.
2: Okay. So my mother's
1: name is Kosiba spelled with a C and ending with an A. Wow. And I thought what better way because she was my number one supporter then. Yeah. But I changed the spelling from a, a C to a K and I put an H at the end of it because it's one, it'll be easier to pronounce. Two, even though it's for my mother, it's not her name because as a, a, as a, a Yoruba Nigerian man, or, you know, I can't call my mother by her name. It's just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. unacceptable. So mm-hmm. I changed the spelling, but it's still, you know, it's still for her. So that's the name I was using when I was in university, Kosiba. Wow. Um, And, and when I started my company, when I, when I eventually got to England and I studied uh, menswear and womenswear, um, but I I quickly realized I hated doing menswear, so I I stopped doing it. (laughs) And um, what happened was after I did both courses, I was at home for a year and I was writing, I was writing lots of letters of, um, you know, asking for employment. But that was in the early 90s when there was a a big recession in the UK and the government was encouraging people to be self-employed. So, you know, I went on, um, after a year of writing all these letters and getting nothing back, I thought, well, I'm I'm eager to to start doing what I trained for. So Mm -hmm. I went on a business, I went on a course for six weeks and they taught taxation, marketing, PR, administration. And I have to tell you, and that's what I, you know, when I talk to young designers now, I, I say to them, this was one of the most vital things I did in preparation to starting my business because we were made to understand no matter what it is you're doing, mm-hmm. there are certain things you have to put in place and you have to do them properly. Otherwise your business would fail. Yeah, it's very difficult right, to hear probably. at the beginning of a business, but it's really important. And that has, that's one of the things that has kept me through till now because it's not all glamour. It's not all, you know, they are the, the boring bits, but they're really mm-hmm. important. You know, the admin, the taxation, getting, yeah. making sure yeah, everything is done legally and you've got all the permits or, you know, everything is set in place. So after this um, six-week course, I chose the date, 1st of September, 1991, wrote to the tax office, you know, submitted my company name, Cosiba. Then I used to call it Cosiba Creations. Ah, Um, But later, (laughs) later, I dropped the creations. It wasn't necessary. And I opened up. And because I did men's wear and women's wear, I I said yes to everybody that came through my door. Mm. One, I realized doing casual wear, I have to explain, the way I was trained was what I call old school couture. Mm. It It was a private school run by a French woman and her staff. And so it's very old college and, you know, you take about 20, they taught you to take 26 measurements. You make an individual block from the block. You develop the pattern you're doing. Very, very old school. Um, But it's also quite labor intensive. So doing casual wear just was not viable. Mm -hmm. So I stopped doing that. Also, as I said, I just didn't have any um, satisfaction from doing menswear. I wanted to make clothes that looked that had some sort of fashion style into them, looked nice. But I just thought with men's weight, it was just too boring. Or if you added a bit of pizzazz to it, for me, it looked like costume. And I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So I stopped doing that. Even tailoring like jackets and like, trousers for women, I hated doing that too. And from a very early age, I said to myself, I'm only going to do what brings me joy. Yeah. And making beautiful dresses, that's what, you know, I was very good at it. And That's yeah. what gets me joy, so that's how, in an organic way, I my company evolved to specializing in bridal wear and evening wear because, mm. from a business point of view, that's what I would get the most return for the amount of work pu- I put into creating each garment. Yeah, so lots of things happened organically. Mm. I, I didn't have that much of a plan. That's what I guess that's one of my regrets that I wish. I had more of a educational structure at the beginning. Because I went to university for four years, when I got to England, I didn't want to go to a school like London College of Fashion or St. Martin's or any of the fashion colleges
2: that
1: maybe spent another four years. I thought, no, I want to start immediately. That's why I went to this private school that basically just taught how to make a pattern and how to sew. Uh, and I'm and I'm very grateful for that because it's made me the couturier that I am today. But oh. there are other things that I realized that maybe I missed out on not going to
2: mm.
1: like a university like fashion mm-hmm. thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Although okay, having okay. said that, I went through the process of um, trying to get in because I, I had to reassure myself I was good enough. Just mm-hmm. my mom telling me that my designs were beautiful was not enough for me because this mm-hmm. private college, if you were able to pay the fees, you'd get in. So I went through the enrollment process and I got in, even though I knew I was, I had no intention of going, but I needed to know from, from a third party that I was good mm-hmm. enough. I got into um, London College of Fashion and that made me realize, okay, I'm not deceiving myself. I'm on the right path. Um, so that's how that happened. And uh, I just started to, just hone my skills, and I, I I also did courses after that. Like I did a course on corsetry, I did a course on bone bodices, and that's why the the structural aspect of my designs, I I I learned more skills. So one thing I say is, you never stop learning. Right. You never. It, there, there's always something new, and you don't feel too proud to mm. to realize you have you have to learn. I yeah. mean, the next thing I'm probably going to have to learn is some sort of computer-aided design or, you know, a lot of things I do by hand, but I realize i digital. I've, I've yeah. against it. I really have to do that. Yeah, so. we're
0: in a digital age. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Really so you never stop. You need to, you know, process and accept because some people are kind of stuck in their ways, but it you dangerous. seems like you're, 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 you're ahead and you're, yeah. you're coming. Yeah. You're what you need to prepare for.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Wow.
0: Um, was there ever a time where you just like, I think this is all just, maybe it's not meant to be, or did you ever doubt like your direction or your path?
1: You know, I think because I had this love for drawing and clothes from a very mm-hmm. young age, there just was never... Option B, there just wasn't another plan. Now there were times when, yeah, you get a bit overwhelmed when there's a lot of work. You think, oh my gosh, how am I going to meet the deadlines? You get overwhelmed when there's when it's a bit quiet. You then panic. Oh my goodness, how am I going to pay my bills or I want to work? So yeah, there's, there's, one is constantly worried. But in terms of regretting, I have to say I'm I'm one of those really fortunate people that I haven't really thought of that you wow. know um, I have had feelings when it, yeah it, this is this is a bit much but I actually thrive from those feelings mm-hmm, in a, in a mm-hmm. strange way but I've never wanted to give up and work with no I just love what I do too much. And I've been fortunate, and you know, I make people happy. I make them be great. Like. Yeah. Just, oh my gosh. no mixed it's up for all the living your
0: passion. passion. Like, well, some people are like, you know, when I was younger, I would say like, I want to be a medical doctor. It was out of my mind. There was no way. I'm not interested. In <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, yeah. um, kind of opposite from your story, I kind of fought every inkling or every you know direction of creative I was like I'm gonna my path because as Nigerians typically you have to you know I was my my, I was on a path to go to law school yes Nigeria and I was like you know I was just kind of searching
1: for things that
0: were acceptable I would say and you
1: you put that you put that pressure on yourself it wasn't like your parents were no my parents never
0: my parents go, me. They never said, you have to be this and you have to be but that. But you
1: thought you had to be.
0: Yeah. I think in my mind, I thought I, I'm just going to be a normal, the yes. normal route, the safe route. Yeah. Uh, while I watched my parents be entrepreneurs, which is interesting, but I fought every, you know, I, I, there was no way you could have told me. Wow. That, or, you know, that I would do what I do now. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I knew I was either going to be a psychologist or a lawyer or a medical doctor, not by passion, but by just following the, what the norm. Was the norm what what I yeah. thought was the norm and what we what, what I think would make everybody comfortable, you know? Yes. What I mean? But you did the complete opposite, and, and at such an early age, at sixteen, you know. I was again. Was-
1: I go back to my parents. I was very lucky because I know countless people that did one thing and then they. They came back into fashion or mm. they came back to their passion, but they, they, they went down a different path. But I went directly to my passion amazing. again because my parents enabled me to do so. Yeah. So I was very, I'm, I'm and I, you know, I don't take it for granted. I know how mm-hmm. lucky I am.
0: Bless them. Um, so when you're not creating amazing, amazing pieces, yeah. what, do you, what does Yummy do? What do you do?
1: Okay. So um, I used to, I used to be a very fat child and i think once you've been a <laughs> once you've been a fat person you you it never leaves you so that's I, I do Germany, like my, by
0: the way everyone is like fat oh my god we oh like, yes yes I, that's I, the nigerian well.
2: european <laughs>
1: <laughs> i was i was very fat when i was but two things happened one i grew i i shot up in height um and then you know i i i sort of I didn't exactly stop eating, but, you know, it, it, I, yeah, I, I didn't eat as much as I should have done. So I lost weight, but I realized that's not, that's not a good way to, it's not a healthy way. So to answer your question, I go to the gym because um, I, I I do like my food. So I know mm-hmm. if I'm not careful, um, you know, I might revert back to how I used to be. So I don't <laughs> want <talk about> that to <laughs> So I go So I, I go to the I gym a lot. How
0: work out?
1: Um, I go about five five times a week. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I go about five times a week. And then I go to museums, I go to theatres, and especially now that we're in New York, we try to uh, purposefully meet up with friends Mm -hmm. and, you know, have dinner, just hang out, uh, walk through Central Park. There's so many parts of Central Park I haven't even, Mm -hmm. I didn't realise, were there, you know. So yeah, I try to, I try to have a very good life work balance. I think it's really important, yeah. um, and I'm doing so with purpose. And especially now that I've, that's one of the good things about moving to New York, it's giving me a set almost like a second chance to to leave a to live a purposeful, true, mm-hmm. authentic life. I, and mm-hmm. you know. Because there's that's only one life. It's not a rehearsal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm living it to the fullest, and I'm having a great time. And, yeah, it's making me very happy. Wow. So when yeah. I'm not making my clothes, I try to, to, to do interesting things.
0: Yeah. Are you an early bird?
1: Um, yes. I'm, I'm not a late-night person, and I knew that from university when some friends, you know, they'd study at night. I tried doing that one or two times, and I knew I was deceiving myself. I did it, but I knew I was deceiving <laughs> myself because what I was reading was not going into my head, and I was doodling sure, yeah. and sketching, and so, no, I'm an early bird. I work, I work better in the morning, morning, and then, yeah, but not sort of overnight. Wow. So people. That, wake up? Say it again?
0: How early do you wake
1: up? Um... Okay, because I go to the gym in the morning, so I normally get up at six. To okay. Go to the gym. Um and then and then once I get back I I start work. Yeah. Um but then I, that doesn't mean I go to bed early because sometimes I unwind by watching Netflix and Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing
2: <laughs> yeah. wrong with
1: that,
0: but you have a routine that works. Yes, I have a routine. Productive with that. Yes,
1: I'm up pro- I'm I'm more pro- productive. Earlier than later,
0: yeah. I can imagine too later in the day, New York is gets noisy and everything is loud, and there's probably mm-hmm. more zen and more focus earlier yeah. than yeah, in the day. Um, interesting. Okay, so let's talk about the brand for a little bit. Okay, uh, how would you describe uh, Goseba, like your style? As a my designer?
1: style, mm-hmm. yes, so my style is quite. I would call classic clean and design led. Um, I try to, because I, I I I trained in pattern drafting and pattern making, mm-hmm. I take great pride in sort of manipulating darts because at the end of the day, a dress is, there are just certain darts with, within a block that makes a dress and you know, there's there's something called depth manipulation that you're able to then change the shape and contour of a design so rather than putting lots of ruffles and frills no I try and create a clean line but with some design lines within that you know anybody that understands fashion would know that this person obviously knows about pattern making and pattern drafting mm-hmm. and draping that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, my main aesthetic is to make the person wearing my dress look their best in this sort of um, hourglass shape silhouette. Gotcha. Um, and regardless of size, shape, that's my focus. And I don't like to gild the lily. I've always wanted to make beautiful, timeless pieces, but, you know, with a not too trends. Right. But I don't want, especially if you've paid a lot of money, and because I do mostly bridal gowns or special occasion wear, I want you to be able to wear, like, for example, if I do an evening gown, you can wear it time and time again,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you, you don't really know, oh, that's from 1983 or It's almost right. timeless. Yeah, so it's very clean, but, yeah. But having said that, because every, every dress I do is um, made for the person in front of me, I also take a cue from what they want. So mm-hmm. if somebody wants quite extravagant, I can design it, but that might not be my um, instinctive style, mm-hmm. but I can create a design that meets all the needs of my client. However, I would still edited to still um, be respectful of my aesthetic but at the end of the day it's not my dress it's my client's dress but right they are going down a route that I think oh my god okay this is not so good I would in a you know I've learned how to to say perhaps that's not so great but however if we do this yeah. So you have an alternative to sort of bring them back into mm. you know, tasteful mm-hmm. levels, uh, and oftentimes by the time people come to me, they understand my aesthetic. So
2: right.
1: I, I don't really have to do that that often. They're, that's the thing about having lots of di- different designers. We all have uh, different tastes, and yeah. most time a client will come to you because of they've seen what you've done. Right. Um, so the branding. Because, you know,
0: you're to track yeah. your, your ideal client. Yeah. Awesome. I was I'm also thinking like over the years, like um what inspired well what inspires you still? Like where do you get your inspiration from now? Now that we have so much out there,
1: much more mm-hmm. than before, right? Yes. Um again, I would say it's client led. Uh I I try to remain true to my core values in terms of design and there was a time when I sort of had a wobble and I thought oh no everybody's doing like extra extra so let me mm-hmm. do that but that really wasn't me so from an inspiration point of view I it might be the fabric um it might be uh, where clients get to my because again, you have to remember that because of what I do, Couture, even though I might do a collection and that is, is a different uh, methodology, I am making a dress for a client. So when I'm designing, there are several questions I ask.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the first of all, the most important thing the, the person in front of me, what do I see in this person? Automatically, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, I can enhance that uh okay maybe because i have conversations with them people have issues maybe body issues i I, i'm not so happy with this part of my body and oh i really love this part of my body i want to celebrate it Mm. so i am then thinking okay this is what i'm going to do to minimize this This is what i'm going Mm -hmm. to enhance this and then there are also traditional and religious elements that come in that you know for example in terms of Nigerians and covering up, going to church. Right. I try to make all these elements seem almost incidental in the design. So if, in terms of covering up, I will do it in a way that your pastor will think, this is a, oh, what a pious girl. But your <laughs> friends will think, wow, she turned up. That's a delicate way of doing both. So you, you absolutely both. yeah Within the same dress, you can please your mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And also your friends will be like, oh my gosh, yeah, she looks amazing.
0: Yeah. You know, well, that's just um, the beauty um, of working with someone like you, where you actually get to customize and that's right. attention to all these details and then create a product that actually works and makes yes. everybody happy.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm biased, but I think everybody should go. But then I realized, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a different placement, And I respect, you yeah. know, I respect people have to, to uh, kick to, um, a, a budget but yeah that's why that's my inspiration I mean some you know yeah. I, I told you I go to lots of museums and mm-hmm. there are some little mm-hmm. things it might just be a, a corner of the, maybe some paintings of colors or uh, the inspiration comes from everywhere but I had always I've, I've analyzed myself and I realized that I'm just so grateful that I'm able to come up with these new ideas
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I don't want to psychoanalyze it too much you know I'm not gonna look at gift toss in the mouth. I'm just grateful yeah. I get the ideas and long may they continue to come to me. So Yeah, of course. <laughs> Many
0: more to come. Um yeah. so in you know I, I try to of course the hope the podcast and sharing your story I, I want to share the good, but I also want to share
1: yes.
0: you know challenges and stuff like yes. that. Of course mm-hmm. twenty seven years in business yeah sure you've overcome one or two <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. challenges um there yeah. one that really stands out that you really had to overcome and like can you share how you overcame
1: um, yes there was a there was a period where um china and in, this was when I was in the u k China and india sort of there was this whole not even a resurgence, an emergence from mm. China and India of really, um, you know, I don't want to say cheap, but the price point of the dresses coming from India and China, from what I was doing, there was just no way I could compete. And mm-hmm. I, it was a very challenging period. And I realized that I either have to come down and try to compete, or I just have to hone my skills and believe in the product and go slightly above that.
0: Wow. And
1: I decided to go slightly above that. I knew I'm not going to be able to compete. So what makes me stand out? Why should somebody come to me? Right. Um, I can create a shape that when you look at yourself in the mirror, you'd have to pinch yourself to say is this me you know that's what I can bring to the table and because at that time I'd had years of getting over being nervous about making things you know I've dealt with different body types so i would created techniques you wouldn't see in any book because they came out from trial and error of all these different body types Mm -hmm. I've worked with and each time I make a dress I, I learn something oh that what you do and then I put it in my armory so I was able to bring that to the table and have the confidence to say okay I am doing bespoke couture dresses and they are going to be slightly more expensive but this is what you get for it I cannot compete with the the you know ready to wear or that price point now the funny thing was that there were some um, some brides-to-be that might have gone to shops on at Bond Street and they'd pay thousands and thousands for their dresses. Mm-hmm. So for them to come to me they were getting even though I was, I raised my prices but some of those brides were but my studio wasn't in Bond Street. I had an atelier in Camden so you know it was beautiful to come to but it wasn't like, I guess in, in, in New York, it wasn't the equivalent of like Fifth Avenue or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we sort of met halfway, but mm. that's, how, that's how I have overcame that challenge. I, I realized that I had to, first of all, know that I'm giving, I'm producing a product that um, warrants the price I'm putting on it,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and then have the strength of purpose to walk away if, if a bride cannot afford it you know
2: mm-hmm. I'm
1: sorry I you know I'm I'm not going to keep being drawn back to charging less than I'm worth right. you know
2: Amazing.
1: Um, but I was it also made me realize that yes there is a market out there for more accessible mm-hmm. dresses mm-hmm. but I'm a control freak. I want everything that comes from me or my brand to be perfect. And initially I thought only I could do it, but I realized, no, other people can do it if you are able to explain or, you know, just find the right person to to produce your, your product. Mm. Um, and I've had to struggle with that. But finally, finally, after all these years, I've put all my dogs in a run. I've actually... Found uh, um, a production line that I'm able to do, but we'll probably talk about that later. But yeah. that was that was a very challenging time. Um, I mean,
2: that's Yeah,
1: yeah, that was a challenging time. But I'm still here. Hello. Yeah. So. <laughs> well,
0: you know what's amazing is in the natural uh, reaction for most yeah. business owners is to just. Drop the prices and absolutely,
1: pay. absolutely. The
0: complete opposite, which must have taken so much. Uh, yes. Everything, you know, just yes. and then raise your prices. deal.
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: absolutely, but it worked, and it's such a great lesson for all of us. It's not let fear hold you back. If you believe in mm-hmm. the brand, you believe in the value yes. of what you're providing. Charge yes. your worth. Raise your yes. prices.
1: Yes, That's but at the same the caveat is that you then make sure that what you produce fits the the the, the, the what you charge you know you can't ch- you can't charge something expensive and produce rubbish it will not be acceptable exactly. so, yeah. like, I, okay, and okay. I had that at the back okay. of my mind
0: yeah amazing wow, amazing okay, so um we have to talk about this too. you have a collaboration with Mark ingram
1: yes, yes
0: Tell us more now about
1: that. when now in um in England, I have a studio and, you know, it's a very nice setup. But when I moved to New York, um, even though I'd been, in, I'd been in business for a long time, but it was like I was starting afresh. But it also made me realize that you sometimes you need to collaborate or you need to just find different ways of working. Now, Mark Ingram is someone that I admired for years, even when I was still in England, and had no clue I'd come to to the US because um, this is a a black man that created this beautiful, beautiful atelier space
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, in New York, you you know, and has brides that come from far and wide. And I was able to, get a meeting with him through my publicist, Meredith, um, Leon McCormack of LMM Represents. Mm-hmm. And we, 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 we hit it off, you know, because he realized that our aesthetic matched. So, you know, we were bringing value to each other. And therefore, brides that want a couture gown, um, can meet me at the Mark Ingram Atelier. And it's, wow. a, it's a, I can't tell you how beautiful this space is. And, you know, we, we meet there and we talk about what they want and I create the gown from there. Amazing. So, yeah. That's I mean
0: now. Well, it just shows like two people, two like-minded people can work together, you know, right. um, and it's more community over competition, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
0: Oh fantastic.
1: And how long? When did this collaboration start? I know this is pretty recent. Yes, yeah, it's quite recent. I mean the, I did my um New York Fashion Week debut day in October of last year.
2: Yes, um,
1: yeah. shortly after I draw I joined the bridal council here in New York. Um so it's it's uh it's in the early stages, but you know, I'm looking forward to a, a beautiful yeah. collaborative relationship. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Forward. Yeah. Thank so exciting.
0: I would love to if I'm in New York, I would love to yeah. see all of it and experience, you know, you and your I've you know, I've seen you final, but I actually want to come in and see you do your thing.
2: Yeah.
0: Um in your creative space. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So I have a ton more questions, so bear with mm-hmm. me. <laughs> um <laughs> what are you most proud of so far in Personal, career wise?
1: You know. I am proud of the fact that I make a significant. Um, I have a significant effect on a day. That means very much to a person. Mm-hmm. I.e., on on the day of a bride's wedding, the dress I have created for her is making her look and feel almost the best she's looked at any time leading to that point. Mm. And that was because of something I have done. Wow. That that gives me joy. And it makes all the pain and all the worry and all the hard work and the hours spent, it just makes everything worthwhile.
2: Yeah.
1: And knowing that moving forward, they're going to look at this picture, even after they have their babies and they're going to look back and think, oh, I look great on that day. And that's something I did. Yeah. That makes me really, really, really proud. Of
2: Amazing. So that's yeah. why even though
1: I do evening wear, but I have to say bridal wear is still my absolute job.
0: Yeah, what a great feeling. Um, any regrets?
1: Regrets? Um, I think I regret spending years worrying about what other people might think about mm-hmm. me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just wasted a lot of time in the past from a business point of view i've never really um compared myself example you know like being forced to have a open a really big shop and i just i know i i you know i like the fact that i had an atelier and i saw people by appointment yeah you know it was a very slow trajectory but i slept well at night you know? yeah I didn't worry. So I never compared and said, because X is doing this, therefore I have to do it to keep up. No, I yeah. was never like that. But I knew that you know, sometimes when I just just think about what people are going to say about, you know, whatever, which was just a waste of yeah. time. I don't do that. Anymore.
0: Waste of time.
2: Yeah.
1: So your yeah, life's too short. Amazing. That's so powerful. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. we all fall-
2: yeah. 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 So, wow
0: amazing okay so what one piece of advice would you give to someone out there with a dream of becoming a designer that probably feels stuck or like confused
1: okay so it's it's going to be more than a piece of advice because it's it's, it's really important it, it cannot all be put in a nutshell so my mm-hmm. advice is that they first of all they have to realize that they're in a very lucky time now with the internet and social media, and that they're able to jump several steps ahead than they would have done in my day. So Mm -hmm. that's one thing they have in their favor. Now it's important that they have some technical knowledge. So um, get some, go for courses, even if you can't do a whole uh, course in fashion, just get some technical knowledge. There are lots of short courses out there. Mm -hmm. It's really important you do that, you know, a lot of people take pride in the fact that they are self-taught. That's great, but I still think it's important to try and get some 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 technical knowledge there. And also um work experience is really important. Because on the one hand, I did say get technical knowledge, but you can learn only so much that way you then have to put it to practice. And I think that putting it to practice under someone else's tutelage rather than going straight to doing it yourself i did that but i wouldn't advise other people to do that i think you it's just best to learn your mistakes or learn what it is and get further even if it's just practice and not being nervous and being sure of yourself so that when you eventually want to go on it yourself you you have the confidence to do so i know little things like for example, making sure you get, you get, con, you do contracts and you get payments. up front. That's I think people don't think about sometimes, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. you know, they get bullied into letting the dresses go before they are fully paid. And oh, those are things, no, I did. Those are things I did in the past. And, you know, you learn that, no, that's not the way to go, you know? So, and that, but the, now I think the, you know, social media mm. is very, it's you know, it, 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 it just, Like a pressure, I cannot stress how a precious tool that is
2: Mm -hmm.
1: that you are able to to you tell your story. So they have to to make sure they are on all those platforms and learn how to use it properly. But they should also try and network as much as they can, even with people doing what you are doing. Mm -hmm. You know, because sometimes you think you can't collaborate or network with people doing the same. No, because sometimes you reassure each other. What if you have a lot of work on? Someone comes to you. It's better than saying I can't do it. What if you refer them to somebody else, and then if, mm-hmm. if that happens to that person, they can refer to you. Exactly. It just builds yeah. a, a good relationship. But also photographers, hairstylists, makeup artists, stylists, bloggers, all those people that people you need to um, connect with, and you know, try and do things like style shoots mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know, attend workshops, etc. That's what that's what I would say. But and, and another thing is. Try not to be a jack of all trades. Find the element of fashion you're you're good at. Get your niche and then perfect it.
2: Perfect. You know,
1: don't try and be just everything.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm not doing, but that's my advice. It's anyway.
0: such great advice, and it's I think that applies to everyone. Fashion, you know, event planning, whatever. Any any yeah. business person can take. The, those wonderful pieces of advice and apply right away uh, to be on the right path. Totally. Um, okay. So question for you. And Mm -hmm. it's a question I've been asking people lately. How would you define success?
1: You know, I think success is an ongoing process from my point of view, Mm. um, because I've done some things and I think, Oh, wow, that's great. But I still have more ambitions to do other things, so
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, the fact that i've been in continuous business for twenty seven years going on twenty eight years that is success in itself Absolutely. but but I cannot say i've succeeded i
2: mm-hmm. I
1: still have more things to do you mm-hmm. know I still you know I'm planning to do ready to wear you know planning to do just other things so for me, success is a, it's an, on, it's an ongoing process. Mm. Um, okay.
0: So on that success path, what mm-hmm. is next for you?
1: So next for me is I want to, this ready-to-wear collection that I keep talking about, that's something I, I definitely want to, um, uh, not want to, I am going to right. okay not right. one but also i am going to be doing more speaking engagements and also television appearances as a fashion expert nice. and i'm and, and doing workshops to pass on knowledge oh, um, yeah i love it i have i have a lot of knowledge to to pass on i don't necessarily have the you know where wherewithal to create them it's something I'm still working out, but I know with the right, probably with the right partners, you yeah. know. Um, but that's that's the way I'm going to go.
0: Yeah, sounds exciting and like a whole new adventure, you know, speaking of Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: a new line, uh, ready to wear. I'm sure yeah. a lot of you can benefit from that line because I know I will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been saying like, I can't wait to get into one of your addresses. So, um, uh, we'll make but- that happen. We'll make that happen for sure. So I'm excited. And we'll be I'll be right there with you, rooting for you for every every speaking engagement and every yep. line and every adventure because it's it's so exciting to just watch like like you said the continuous success and like you said it doesn't end. You're not done. No. it's a it's a process. It's a journey. But that's
1: it, right. It's
0: beautiful to watch. It's inspiring and it's Thank you. it's educating all of us. You know, I'm a newbie. Compared to, <laughs> compared to you so I, I, I appreciate you sharing being honest and open with yeah. challenges and, and real life experiences and your journey um you. okay and I, I we can do this forever but um I know we have to wrap up shortly but yeah. I do want to ask like I like to end the show with um a fun, fun, I think it's a fun question. So I yes. always ask everyone if you could have lunch with anyone, who would it be? Mm-hmm.
1: I, th- I think I would say Tom Ford. Ooh. I say Tom Ford because um, like he's mainly known for menswear, even though he does <laughs> women's wear as well. But I think he's a very savvy businessman. Mm-hmm. And he's somebody that I'd like to just ask how he combines his artistic, um, the, the artistic elements, and also the business elements, yeah. and keeps you know just moving on. And also, you know, he he looks he's a very good brand ambassador for himself.
2: Mm-hmm. He
1: looks always like impeccable.
2: Yeah. So
1: yeah, that's somebody I think I'd like to 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 have lunch with. And besides, he's the head of the uh, you know F, the the fashion design. Yeah. national patent and Council. so oh that's a I great one you... yeah <laughs> well, let me
0: know so i can crash it <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah i think that he'll be somebody
0: to have an oh my goodness um thank you for um just being your being you uh thank i you. think initially when i when i i mean i've known you for a while i've been in you know an in industry for Eight plus years, going on nine, and I remember like meet. I was like, "Oh my gosh, we're about to meet him and I' are about to talk to him." But as soon as like we, I probably looked at you. I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" I felt like I wanted to hug you. It was just very <laughs> warm, and you know, you never gave me the sense of like, "Go away, you newbie." You know, it was very no. engaging and and uh, sweet and um, very nurturing. So I I just I, Thank you. To, I also want to acknowledge. Um, you for the work that you do and the contribution to our amazing industry and for being a leader and uh, just being supportive and and when I reached out about the podcast it was you were like sure you know (laughs) So I so appreciate you just coming on and and sharing again all these gems i have I've learned so much from just our conversation today and I I will be applying what I learned back into my business and I'm sure everyone listening um, can as well um, so how can our listeners find you?
1: Okay, so I'm on all social media platforms and it's Yemi Kosiba, all one word. Um, so I'm easy to find Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Yemi Kosiba. Um, on LinkedIn, maybe, of course, it'll be Yemi or Shinkoya, but on all the social media platforms, it's Yemi Kosiba so. and also my <laughs> website which is uh, kosiba.com, And, and kosiba is spelled K-O-S-I-B-A-H because the, oftentimes people put the H in the middle for some reason. It's oh, Koseba, I see. I can Koseba. see how they yeah. are. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. we'll
0: put all your, all, we'll link all your uh, platforms and contact information in the show notes and we'll share yes.
1: more about and you. I, and I engage with my, with, you know, when people contact me because it all comes into my phone. Um, absolutely
2: you know even if is not
1: immediately but yeah I do I do engage I do reply yeah, yeah. And, and, you know so
0: fantastic uh, well thank you uh so much for being on the show I had an amazing time and um, everyone is going to enjoy this interview so thank you thank you thank you well
1: thank you akeshi and I have to say you know you, I think your podcast is great I've been oh, thank I've, you. I've, I've listened to you know past people and it's always been a conversation that's 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 uh a talent you have you might not realize it but you're oh. really good at what you do oh, well, so thank you. i've really enjoyed <laughs> it it just felt like talking i felt very comfortable talking to a friend and if people can actually learn from it that's just just a bonus thank you
0: so much i really appreciate because i'm like I'm trying to figure this thing out but i'm glad you love it i'm glad you approve so we'll keep i do keep, we'll keep inspiring and keep doing what we do so Thank you again. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love him so much. I'm so glad I was able to share his story with everyone and do this interview. Um, This was such an honor. Yemi is so grounded, so seasoned, so talented, and he has so much to share with the world. And I'm so glad we got to do it on this podcast. If you love today's show, share with your friends and tag me on social media at Cash Events. Also, if you haven't heard, I launched my new online coaching membership program, for planners and designers called Creatives Corner. To learn more about it, visit thecashexperience.com, and there are more details in the show notes.